Well, amen. Good to see you this morning. Excited about all the things happening today. And uh, I heard a story. A fellow was walking on the beach in um, vacation time, and he came across a piece of glass. He thought it was a sharp piece of glass, so he picked it up so that nobody would step on it, and it uh, took it out of the sand, and it was a bottle. And he took that bottle, and it was real sandy, obviously, so he began to dust off the sand, and a genie popped out. And the genie said, you get one wish. Now, most genies give three wishes, but this one just gave one. He said to the fella, you get one wish. What would you like? And the fella thought about it, and he says, you know, I'd love to visit uh, Israel, the Holy Lands. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? He said, but I'm afraid to fly, and I can't take a boat because I'm seasick. I get seasick. And so he said, what I'd like for you to do is if you could build a road, a bridge from here all the way over to Israel so I could drive. And the genie thought about it and said, that's, that's hard. That, uh, that might be too difficult for me to do. He said, uh, what, what would be your second choice? Let's look at that. And he said, the guy thought about it and said, my preacher's long-winded. Is there anything at all you could do about his long messages? And Jeannie thought about it and said, do you want that to be two lanes or four lanes? <laughs> You'll get that. Last Sunday, I know I preached overtime. Um, tell you, when the Lord puts something on your heart and you spend hours studying it, it's difficult just to get it out in just a few minutes. And so really last week I probably preached two messages and I said this week is part two of last week's message. Last week we looked at a circumstance in King Saul's life. If you want to turn to 1 Samuel, we're going to be all throughout 1 Samuel today again. But we looked at a circumstance in Saul's life that I believe this is a pivotal place for every single person here in this room as well. If you're a Christian, you are going to come to a time in your life where you are either going to believe what God says or you're going to take matters into your own hands. There's going to be times where you do it. There's going to be times that God does this on purpose. He gets you to a place where you think that things are spiraling out of control and you have to do something about it. But you need to realize this, and I won't re-preach last week's message, but I need you to understand this thought, that when those times happen, it's God preparing you or God allowing for you to think that's the case so that you trust him. We say we believe God, we believe his promises, we believe his word, until it gets to the place where it seems like we're in our final hour and we got to do something about this. You ever been there? I've got I've to fix this. I've got I've to put myself involved in this. And, and so we found in 1 Samuel chapter number 13, I believe it was, that Saul is at a place where he is, he is going to go to war. And Samuel tells Saul, when it comes time for these battles, you get to Gilgal. When you get to Gilgal, you wait for me there. 
And you wait seven days. And when you, when, when, when you get there, you don't do a thing until I meet you there. And I will meet you there. And when I meet you there, what we'll do is we'll sacrifice and we'll praise God. And, and the enemy is going to see that it doesn't matter how many people we have on our army. It doesn't matter what the, what the uh, 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 fear is or, or how mighty they are. All that matters is this, that we're trusting in God. And God is the answer. And what this is going to show all of the world is that God is faithful in any situation. And God could take just a small number of people like he did with Gideon and Gideon's army and get a great victory. God doesn't need more resources than the enemy in order to defeat the enemy. God can defeat the enemy with what we think is just small resources. He wanted a man that would depend upon God, and God wants a Christian that will depend upon him through any situation. But instead of Saul waiting, instead of Saul, Saul trusting the Lord, it came to a place where Saul said, I've waited these seven days, and Samuel, you're not coming when I need you to come, and my people have left me, and the enemy, I, I hear them coming. And, and what did he do? He made sacrifices by himself. He didn't wait on God. Samuel came to him and he said, what have you done? And it's a pivotal point in every one of our lives where we are either going to trust God to do what God said he would do or we take matters into our own hands. Every single person is going to be at that place. And, and for many of us, it's not just going to be a singular event in our life. It's going to be multiple times we come to this place. It could be finances, it could be a job, it could be your marriage, it could be friendships, it could be a sickness. But it's a place that all of us visit. And part two of this message is I want to show you the results of unbelief. You see, you can't live a life of unbelief, Christian, and believe that God is just going to wink at that and just continue to, to bless what happens is this, we go on a downhill spiral. I want you to see with me in 1 Samuel chapter 14, and keep your Bibles open to 1 Samuel. We're going to be in several chapters here today. We won't read all these chapters, but we'll point out verses. I need you to, to see this story unfold. Now, it came to pass, in verse number one, upon a day, that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said unto the young man, that bear his armor, come and let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he told not his father. This is the event right after Saul sacrifices. And Samuel says, what have you done? And, and, and while Saul is waiting in confusion and, and nothing is happening to him and, and he isn't hearing from God, Saul doesn't know what to do now because he didn't wait upon God. He thought he would take matters in his own hands. And, and what you'll find is when you, when you cease to wait upon God, you get to a place in your life where you don't know what to do. And that's where Saul's at. And the Bible tells us at this battle, Jonathan takes matters into his hands and he he takes his armor bearer, just the two of them, and the Bible says in verse 2 that Saul tarried in the uttermost part of uh, Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. And the people that were with him were about 600 men. 
Saul had 330,000 men in his first battle, and now he's down to 600 men. Verse number four, between the passages by which Jonathan sought to go over unto the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on the one side and a, a sharp rock on the other. And so I want you to imagine these next couple verses, Jonathan and his armor bearer, they're, they're, they're sneaking through this passage, this, this hilly area, and, and they, they say this, if we're going to come to this garrison of the Philistines, and if they see us and spot us and, and say, come on over and fight us, then we're going to go and we're going to trust God that God is going to deliver this. If they don't see us, then we'll just kind of keep sneaking around until we come up with another plan. The Bible tells us this, that they're discovered. In verse 11, and both of them discovered themselves into the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, Behold, the Hebrews come forth out of the holes where they hid themselves. And, and the men of the garrisons answered Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come up to us and we will show you a thing. What they're saying is, Come on up here and we're going we're gonna to destroy you. We're going we're gonna to kill you. We're going to show you how to fight. And Jonathan says to his armor bearer, The Lord hath delivered them into the hand of the Israel. And Jonathan climbed up upon his hands and upon his feet. They're climbing through this area and his armor bearer after him and they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer slew after them. And we find this, that Jonathan and his armor bearer go in and begin to kill about 20 mighty men, these men that were the Philistines' garrison. In verse number 15, and there were trembling in the hosts and the fields and among all the people, the garrison and the spoilers, they also trembled and the earth quaked and it was very great trembling. And so I want you to picture this picture, if you will. Saul is standing there and he's confused. He doesn't know what to do. He, 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 he was at a place in his life where he needed to trust God. It was a pivotal place in his life. And instead of trusting God, he, he took matters into his own hands. And now he's confused. The, the Philistines, what it didn't do, it didn't change the fact that the Philistines were still going to, to fight. It didn't change the situation at all. All it did, by Saul trusting in his own self, all it did is put Saul in a place where now he has no clue what to do. Where you find yourself when you step out of what God wants for your life, you'll find yourself confused like Saul does. And Jonathan and his armor bearer go and they begin to fight just the two of these men. And they kill these 20, 20 Philistines. And, and when they see the, the battle, see the Philistines didn't realize it was just two people. They thought, oh no, the Israelites have come and, and they're going to be coming out of all their holes and all their hiding spots. And, and the, the entire army here, the Philistines, become afraid and they start killing themselves. And, and the Bible says this, that there was a great trembling. The earth quaked because the Philistines were running mad and wild, not knowing what was going on. And the Bible tells us this in the latter part of this chapter that Saul, in his confusion, and Saul, in his not sure what to do, he hears the roar, he hears the earth trembling, and they look out, he and these few men, and they realize what's happening and Paul or Saul says let's go fight and he now leads his people to fight and they're coming out from everywhere and then they begin to fight this Philistine army and there's a great victory and Saul is, Saul is, 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 is uh, leading his, his men, and, and, and Jonathan is uh, apart from Saul, and Saul is leading his men, and, and Saul is, is pushing his men and, and pushing his men, and he says this, not one of you can eat till we win this battle. 
Don't you stop. Matter of fact, he says, cursed is the man that, that eats. Look with me in verse number 24. And the men of Israel were distressed that day, for Saul had adjured the people, saying, cursed be the man that eateth any food until evening, that I may be avenged of my enemies. Saul says to you men, the men that are fighting with him, don't you stop to eat. And cursed is the man that stops to eat. And Jonathan doesn't hear this. And Jonathan and his armor bearer are fighting and, 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 and killing, and, and they're tired and they're hungry. And the Bible tells us this, that Jonathan and his armor bearer comes across in the forest honey. And Jonathan dips his sword into that honey and he eats that honey and the Bible says he's refreshed. He disobeyed what Saul told him to do, not knowing it. The Bible tells us this, the people, look with me in verse number 31, and they smote the Philistines that day. In verse number 32, the people flew, flew uh, upon the spoil and, and all the animals that are mentioned they begin to, to eat these animals and the people did eat them with the blood they told Saul saying behold the people sin against the Lord in that they eat the blood and he said ye have transgressed roll a great stone unto me this day and Saul said disperse yourselves among the people bring me hither every man his ox and every man his sheep and slay them here and eat and sin not against the Lord in eating with the blood you see, this passage of Scripture, what I am reading is this. Saul is putting on his people this don't eat, and he wearies his people down to a place to where they're tired, and then they go in, they begin to break the law, they, the Jewish law. They begin to eat the meat with, with blood. They're so hungry. And Paul, or Saul then, he brings the people together and he says, you've sinned. And in, in, in verse number 36, and Saul said, let us go down after the Philistines by night and spoil them under the morning light and let us not leave a man of them. And they said, do whatever seemeth good unto thee. And then the, said the priest, like the priest said, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, Saul. Let us draw near hither unto God. What he was saying is, let's, let's ask God what he wants to do. And Saul asked, counsel of God, shall I go down after the Philistines without deliver them into the hand of Israel? And look at Saul's response, but he answered him not that day. Saul wanted to hear from God, and God wouldn't speak to Saul. Saul inquired of the Lord, and the Lord stopped speaking to him because Saul was taking matters into his own hands. And Saul gets upset. And what Saul does is Saul begins to look at everyone else's sin. And listen to me, what happens to a person when they come to a place where they stop listening to God? When a person comes to a place where they take matters in their own hands, that pivotal place in their life, what they begin then to do, they begin to live this life, this, this downward spiral, where they start recognizing and seeing everybody else's sin, but they don't see their own. Now listen to me this morning, please. Saul is in a place. And Saul says, we need to hear from God, and, and we can't hear from God. And the reason why Saul isn't hearing from God, it's not because of the people, it's not because of Jonathan, it's because of Saul. 
Saul is living a life that, that, that he's not listening to God. Saul is living a life where he begins to point out everybody else's sin. He begins to say, oh, who is, who is the people that have sinned? It's got to be somebody else. But I want you to see in this story, it was Saul who God was judging. It was Saul that God has left. It was Saul that God said, I'm not going to answer. But Saul is now living a life where he's looking out and he's blaming everybody else for his sin he says I want to hear from God and God's not speaking it must be someone else listen aren't we so good at pointing out everybody else's sin it's legalism it's I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live a certain way and, 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 and I'm going to point out everybody else's sin. And that's what Saul was doing here in this portion of Scripture. He is, he is trying to figure out what in the world is going on. And instead of him looking inward saying, it's me that is sin. It's me that's not right with the Lord. It's me that is living in sin of unbelief. It's me that has placed myself in a place where God's not speaking. Instead of him doing that, he begins to look out and, and see everybody else's sin. He says, it's you. You, you've sinned people you've eaten of the blood and then it gets to the place where the Bible tells us this that, that he finds that it's actually Jonathan Jonathan ate when he commanded them not to eat and if God wouldn't have intervened John, uh, Saul would have killed Jonathan his own son look at this spiral that Saul has gotten himself into Saul is so out of control because he stopped trusting in God that now he's going to take his own son and kill his own son thinking that is going to solve the problem. Listen to me, we can look around at everybody else's sin, but it's your sin that you need to get right with God. We say if the, if, if the world would get better, if we'd say if my wife would get better, if my friends would get better, if my church members would get better, if my employer would get better, if, if somebody else would get right with God, then the circumstances would change. But I want you to see here, it wasn't Jonathan's fault, and it wasn't the people's fault. It was Saul that needed to be right with God. But Saul goes into a rage. Saul is living in total rebellion. And instead of realizing the rebellion that he's living in, he begins to point out someone else's sin. He's so quick. So are we at times when we get to this place where we stop trusting God, when we find ourselves in a place of unbelief, when we find ourselves at the pivotal place that Saul found himself in, where he's not trusting God, where it's, 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 it's his sin, he begins, instead of getting right with God, he begins to point out where everybody else is wrong and what everyone else needs to change. Saul says in verse number 36, we're going down and in, in fighting, and the priest says, no, let's ask of God. And Saul doesn't even see it's his fault. Listen to me today, please listen. It's a dangerous place to be in your life when you get to the place where you can see everybody else's faults, when you can see everybody else's sin but you refuse to take accountability for your own. This is where Saul finds himself. 
And Saul says in verse number 39, for as the Lord liveth, which saveth Israel, though it be in Jonathan my son, he shall surely die. But there was not a man among all the people that answered him. Saul is saying he, he's becoming great zeal for God. Is, isn't, isn't this the, the king that just in the previous chapter uh, uh, sinned and, 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 and disobeyed God and didn't wait upon God? And now all of a sudden he becomes this holiness preacher where he's saying he's got the zeal for God. He's saying everybody else needs to be right with God. And Saul thought if everybody else got right with God, then he could live whatever life he wanted to live and God would be okay with it. Listen to me, I'm not saying that everybody else in your life ought to live whatever life they want to live and it's okay. I'm saying to you though, you can't live in sin and think that if somebody else gets right that God's going to be okay with that. He begins to preach and scold the people for sinning. He begins to even scold his own son while he lives in sin. You see, Saul, Saul wanted the people to think that he was a godly man on the outside. And sometimes that's what we do as Christians. As long as the outside is good and as long as we act a certain way and talk a certain way and dress a certain way and, and, and do things a certain way, if I can live this life, then I'm okay with God. And that's legalism. It didn't matter what Saul was doing on the outside. Saul was a mess on the inside. Saul's getting up and he's pretending to be a godly man, standing for the law, standing for what's right. You men have eaten of the blood and you've gone against the Jewish law, but inside Paul, uh, Saul is living a rebellious life against God. Here we find Saul, he acted like he cared what God wanted while living his life in total rebellion against God. Today, as I read this passage over the last several weeks, I've been studying for this message, and the Lord's been dealing with me. As I've prayed and studied for this message, the Lord's been speaking to my heart and saying, you better, you better be sure you're trusting me. If you want to preach against sin and preach against where people are, then you better be walking in faith. Because it's easy for us to get up and point out everybody else's failures and not realize it's us. It's easy, husband, for you to point out your wife's failures and not realize it's yours. It's easy, wife, to point out your husband's failures and realize they're yours. It's easy for us to come into the house of God and begin to point out what somebody else is doing and what somebody else has said and the sin that they're involved in. And, and God is wanting you to realize your sin and get right with him. Lord's been on my, after my heart. If you're going to preach, then you've got to be clean. Number one, you become a legalist. Number two, I want you to see this in Saul's life. In chapter number 15, Saul's rejected. L look with me in verse number one. Saul, Samuel also said unto Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken unto the voice of the words of the Lord. There's another battle that's going to take place. You see, after after. Saul steps out and says, I'm going to do this on my own. 
God says, I'm going to take the kingdom from you. He then begins to point out everybody else's sin and not getting right with his own rebellion. Then we find, we find another chapter here of the next chapter in verse number, uh, chapter 15. The Bible tells us this is that Samuel comes to Saul again and he says, I, I want you to, God, God has, has asked me to do this. Thus saith the Lord of hosts. I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek. And utterly destroy. And I want you to mark that in your Bible. He says, I want you to utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox, sheep, camel, and ass. Now, what we just read, what did Samuel say? Kill what? Everything. I want you to go because what, what Amalek has done, and, and they, they've sinned against God, and, and I'm going I'm to judge them, and I want you to go. And, 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 and according to these scriptures here, when you're finished with this battle, there's not an Amalek left, and there's not anything that they've owned left. Totally, utterly destroy them. So Saul goes off the battle. In verse number five, Saul came to a city of Amalek, and laid wait in the valleys. And the Bible tells us in the next couple verses that he goes and he fights Amalek. In verse number 10, God says, Samuel, I want you to get to Saul. And so Samuel goes to Saul after this battle and in verse number 12, when Samuel rose up early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel saying, Saul came to Carmel and, and behold, he set him a place up a place and has gone about and passed on and gone down to Gilgal and, and Samuel came to Saul and Saul said unto him blessed be thou of the Lord I have performed the commandment of the Lord so he says to Samuel I've done what God told me to do isn't that what he said now what did God tell him to do Utterly destroy Amalek, kill every person, every man, every child, every, every, every woman, kill the ox, kill the sheep. Nothing to be left. And Saul says, blessed be God, I did what God said. Matter of fact, he even set up a place, he set up a monument that day saying, I've done what God has told me to, to do. And Samuel said, Verse number 14, what meaneth this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears? The lowing of the oxen which I hear. And Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites. For the people spared the best of the sheep. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You, you just got done saying, I, I did everything God told me to do. Verse number 20, and Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. He, he's arguing with Samuel. He's saying, I did exactly what God told me to do. Twice Saul saying this. Listen to me, you mark this down. Number two is when you get to the place of unbelief in your life, you lose your spiritual discernment. Samuel comes on the scene and said, What have you done? Saul says, I've done exactly what you told me to do. And Samuel says, I can't believe this man. 
Samuel is saying to Saul, he comes and he says, Saul, and Saul says, I've done exactly what God has said, and I've made a monument to God, and blessed be the Lord. And while he's saying that, the king that he saved is sitting right next to him. And Samuel is saying, I I can't even hear your voice over all of the sheep and all the animals that you've saved. How can you say that you've done exactly what God has told you to do? And I see that you haven't. And Saul, instead of saying, you're right, you're right, he goes back and he doubles down and he says this, I've done exactly what God has said to do. Listen to me, when you get to the place of unbelief in your life, when you get to the place where you take matters into your own hands and you stop trusting the Lord, when you get to that place, you lose your spiritual discernment. Saul again says, I did what the Lord said. And Samuel, he responds to Saul. And what does Samuel say to Saul? He says this, refusing to trust God, it's equal to witchcraft. He said rebellion is equal to witchcraft. When a Christian gets to the place where they stop believing God and they take matters into their own hands, they lose their discernment and they start making decisions that make absolutely no sense. They start justifying their ungodly behavior. They come to a place where they start lying to themselves and they believe it. downward spiral a Christian takes when a Christian stops putting their faith in God and you have Christians today you have Christians today that commit and indulge in sin and they think it's okay You have Christians involved in adultery and they've justified it and said it's okay. They've lost their discernment. Christians involved in fornication and drunkenness and and homosexuality and, and they've lost their discernment. They've come to the place where they, because they have, have, have taken matters in their own hands and they've, they've committed the sin of unbelief, that pivotal moment in their life where they said, God, I can't trust you. I've got to take matters in my own hands like Saul did. They step out and now they become involved in things they never would have been involved in, but they lack spiritual discernment now. Lying is okay. Being deceitful is okay. Then they come and they say, I've saved the best for the Lord. They've come and they'll be involved in these sinful things and come to the house of God and, and, and say, I've come to, come to worship. And that's what Saul, he is at a place where he's stopped trusting in the Lord. He's at a place where he's making decisions on his own. He's at a place where God says, I want you to utterly destroy Amalek. And he says, I've done what you've said while the king is sitting next to him, while the sheep are, are crying. And Samuel says, I, I can't even hear your voice because of the sheep that you've saved. And 
And Saul is at a place where he says, I've saved the best for God. Listen to me, God is not interested in that sacrifice of worship if you're living a life of sin, if you're in a place where you're spiritually not able to discern, if you're living a life where you think that you know better than God, you can't come into the house of God and say, I'm ready to worship God when I'm living my life in sin. That concerns me. Let me use this microphone, number four. Concerns me. Because we have churches all over this country today that you can live however you want to live. You can be whatever you want to be. You can live your life six days a week, however you want to live, and just come into the house of God and, 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 and let's worship Him and sacrifice to Him, and, and God's going to be okay with it. God's not okay with it. We're to be surrendered to God seven days a week. We're be, to be obedient to God seven days a week. We're to live our life where God's in control and we're yielded to Him every day of the week. This man is blind. to me today hear my heart Saul is blind he thinks that it's okay he thinks he's going to get away with it he's so deep now that he's believing his own lies when you give yourself over to doing things your way when you give yourself over to manipulation and scheming and planning because you feel somehow God has not acted on your time, when you live your life that way, you will lose discernment. You can't discern what is right or wrong because you're moving in a realm of unbelief. Hear me today. Because I believe this, there's many Christians today that are living in that realm. They're living in that realm of unbelief, and, and they've lost their discernment where God can't work. And in that realm of unbelief, God can't work because you've said to God, I need to take matters into my own hands. And God can't move because you've said to God, your timetable isn't uh, added up to my timetable. It's, it's an arena where God will have nothing to do with you. And it's an arena that you will be all alone. And unfortunately, many Christians live in that arena. They've lost their discernment. And then they sear their conscience. And they live in total oblivion to sin. It wasn't just the lost, unsaved world living Friday and Saturday night for their sinful lust. It's God's people, too. It's not just the lost world that don't know Christ that's sneaking and living their life in sin. It's God's people, too. And how, how could a child of God get to that place because they've seared their conscience. And Saul is at a place now where he's saying, I, 
I haven't done anything wrong. Do you see that Saul is saying, I've done nothing wrong. And Samuel is saying, Saul, I, I, I told you that God said to destroy Amalek, and you, you did it your way and not God's way. And Saul says, I, I don't know what you're upset about. Number three, I want you to write this down. My time is done. Number three is this. Not only do you become a legalist, not only do you lose your spiritual discernment, number three, there's no defense left against the spirit of jealousy and envy. You lose your defense. And I don't have the time to go and read these several chapters, but what happens in Saul's life is this. God takes his spirit off of Saul, and evil spirit comes upon Saul. Saul lost his defense. Listen to me, it's God that guards your mind. It's God that gives you your sanity. It's God that keeps your mind. Listen, if it wasn't for God's grace and God's mercy and God's hand, we'd all be insane. It's, 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 it's God that holds us together. It's not about you being smart and, and you having a, a, a whole lot of knowledge and wisdom. It's not, he, he took the might, most mightiest king in the world, Nebuchadnezzar, who controlled most of the known world. He was mighty. He had resources. He, 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 could, he could say, you're going to be killed, and, and, and he, you'd be killed. And, and he could set up people, and he could tear down people. And God took his hand off of that man's mind. And for seven years, that man behaved like an animal. God says to Saul, my hand is off. Well, listen to me. You do not want to live your life, Christian, losing the only defense that you have. But Saul lost it. You see, God doesn't force himself on stubborn people. That's the lesson we live, learn from Saul. God wants to bless, but God's not going to force himself on stubborn people. In chapter number 16, in verse number 15, look with me there if you would. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servant said unto him, Behold now, an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. God allowed his defense to depart. And now Saul is ranting and raving all through his home, Saul's become mad. One day in chapter number 18, look with me in verse number 7. And the women answered one another, and they played and said, Saul hath slain his thousands, and David is tens of thousands. And Saul was very wroth. And the, say, the saying displeased him, and he said, They have ascribed unto David tens of thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more than the kingdom? One day the return from battle, and the women sing, and Saul goes into a rage of jealousy. And listen to me, jealousy turns Christians into hideous creatures. In chapter number 18 and verse number 11, 
in verse number 12, 12, and Saul cast the javelin, and he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And, and David avoided out of his presence twice, and Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, and it was departed from Saul. Listen to me, you come to a place when you take matters into your own hands and you stop trusting in the Lord, your life becomes all about you and all about your needs, and you don't care about anybody else but you. The jealous person is always the victim. The jealous spouse is always the victim. Everyone is against me, and I'm being persecuted here. No, no, what happened is this. There was a pivotal point in your life where you stopped trusting God. And your life began to spiral, and instead of you trusting in him, instead of you being yielded to his spirit, instead of you trusting in the commands of his word, instead of you believing God at his word, you said, God, you're a liar. You said, no, I've never said that. You said it when you stepped out and said, God, I can't trust you here. I've got to take matters into my own hands. And you began to fix the things in your life that God said, leave for me to fix. And you said, God, I can't trust you. And when you did, you then turn and, and you began to see everybody else's sin and everybody else's fault instead of your own. You start living a life of sin and justifying it and saying, I don't understand. You've lost your spiritual discernment. And then the third thing I see with Saul, he comes to a place of jealousy and envy. He's jealous because what God is doing with other people. He's jealous of what God is doing in the lives of others. He becomes an envious person. Look with me in chapter number 28. And I hurry here. In verse number three, now Samuel was dead, and all of Israel lamented him and buried him in Ramah, even in his city. And Saul had put away those that had familiar spirits and wizards out of his land. And Paul goes, or Saul goes, and he begins to, he says, I got to hear from God. And he goes and he visits a witch. The woman says in verse number 11, who can I bring up? And he says, I want Samuel in verse number 12. And the Bible says that he, uh, Samuel comes up out of the grave and stood with him face, his face to the ground and bowed himself. And Samuel said to Saul, why hast thou disquieted me and bring me up? And Saul answered, I'm so distressed for the Philistines make war against me. And God is departed from me and answereth me no more, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore I have a call thee, and thou makest thy known unto me what I shall do. And then Samuel said, Wherefore then dost thou ask of me, seeing the Lord is departed from thee and is become thine enemy? And the Lord hath done to, the, to him as he spake by me, for the Lord hath rent the kingdom out of thine hand. What a sad, sad, sad. I'll tell you one of the saddest portions of Scripture when I read this, Saul had it all. You go back several chapters and you, you find that God says, that's the one I want to become king. And, and Saul gets to a place, now the Lord won't even speak to him. 
all because he thought he needed to take matters into his own hands. He stopped believing God. He stopped trusting God. And his life spun out of control. Where are you at today? Are you at a place where you can recognize everybody else's sin and God's saying, but it's yours? Are you at a place where you are lacking spiritual discernment? Maybe you're involved in things that you know you're not supposed to be involved in, and now you've justified it, and you've said this, I think it's okay. God says it's not okay. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit of God will never tell you that something's okay that's, that's contrary to the Word of God. Never. Maybe you're living a life of jealousy and a life of envy. Oh, listen to me. The wonderful thing that you can do is you can run to the cross. Your life does not have to end the way Saul's life ended. At any point, you can say, Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. I want to get back under the right relationship with you because of the cross, because of the blood. You can ask forgiveness of your sin, and you can get right with God once again. But if you don't, don't let Satan fool you. Don't let the enemy fool you. Your life is bound to end the way Saul's life ended. Not hearing from God. Why, Christian, would you want that? Why, why would you give up everything that God wants for you for a life of jealousy and envy, for a life of la a lacking spiritual discernment, for a life of legalism. Why would, you, why would you give up everything, the blessings of God, for a life of that? Run to the cross. The cross is the answer. The cross is the solution. Christ died upon the cross. He shed his blood. His blood is sufficient to forgive every sin that you've ever committed. Run to the cross and get right with God.